0: You're listening to 17 Carat K-pop, the show that's a little bit of everything with a K-pop twist. Visit 17carat for more information about the show. That's 17 C-A-R-A-T K-P-O-P.weebly.com. Enjoy the show. Hello everyone and welcome back to 17 Carat K-Pop. I didn't have a chance to get to all of the latest news in the world of K-pop earlier this week because I wanted to dedicate an episode strictly to talking about Stray Kids. My theories about their new album and their music video universe, updates in the whole music video world storyline, talking about in general just what Stray Kids means to me and how much I appreciate their music. It's really just been everything for me these days and so I really just wanted to spend time talking about the new Stray Kids release and really dissecting it. So. I dedicated the episode to them, but I still also have a lot of hot takes on the wor- the latest news in the world of K-pop that I didn't get to. So this episode will cover my five yeses and five nays lately, as well as some other headlines that we didn't get to earlier in the week. So lots of commentary in this episode, but then more specific art, more artist specific. Content will be coming next week again a lot of 17 content wink wink But that's all I'll say about what I plan for next week But I want to start off the show first of all with two PSA's one is please check out the latest Stray Kids episode It's called here to stay and I'm really proud of it. I really hope I did them justice in my review of their work, and I really tried hard to carefully accurately summarize and put into words my appreciation for them, why I think they are they have something so special going for them, why I think they have such longevity and such there's so much to still see from them in this industry. I just really really just opened up in that um in that episode and I just hope it helps people gain a better appreciation for them if they haven't been a stay before. Hopefully I've convinced more people to join the fandom through that episode. So, I'm just very proud of that episode and please spread it and share it if you are a stay or trying to convince someone to be a stay. It's really fun in this fandom. Second PSA is that the new Pink Sweats collab is finally here. It's called Seventeen, which is so perfect. It's a feature for Joshua and DK of Seventeen. Please check it out. It's really a fun collab. I don't want to say anything else about it yet because you know me, I like to hold off on my full song reviews until I've really sat with the song for a long time so give me a few more days for my official review but and I also don't want to really spoil it but just know you're in for a treat when you listen to it and also I would just like to thank Pink Sweats because I mean we could say that he named the song Seventeen as tribute to Seventeen but like it's probably a little wink to Seventeen K Kpop too I mean I'm just saying can we all pretend it's a tribute to the show just saying Anyway, so that's really exciting, and I named this episode on Wednesdays We Wear Pink Sweats because time really doesn't have any meaning anymore, so I'll just say today feels like Wednesday even though I know it's not, So, and I wanted to use the Mean Girls reference, so please just let me do that. Alright, those are your PSAs. Check out Here to Stay, and check out the new song called 17 by Pink Sweats and Joshua and DK of 17. Alright, now let's just get right into my five yes and nays for the episode. My first yay has to go to two different BTS headlines that we've gotten lately. One is that they performed on the Today Show for the City Music Series. It's usually an in-person summer concert series, but obviously they had to do that remotely. But they still made it look awesome and... I just was so excited. They were really meeting the moment. They were just so fun and cheerful and summery. They sang "Dynamite" and "Pin Man," which is one of my personal favorites. It was a huge moment to 4K pop because usually. K-pop artists sing their English songs when they do live show appearances, but on the Today Show, BTS got to sing a Korean song, and Man," in addition to their English song Dynamite, and so it was it was just really very, very fun and uplifting, and they they were great. They were just great as always, and it was so fun to watch, and so that that's all I gotta say about that. That was just a, a huge thumbs up for me. They also had really cute denim outfits on. It was just, everything was great about that, except for my... My brother's comment that I can't get out of my head, which is that the set they performed at looked like a white castle box, and now I can't get that out of my head. But other than that, it was great. And the other big VTS headline that I love is that even, you know an artist is just really good at what they do and impressive when they can make even a commercial sound like it goes off. Like, I thought about this when Monster X released their Pepsi song for the love of it, because literally we love. And so, of course, we're buying Pepsi for the love of it. Like, that is when you know that they are so good at being musicians because they make a com- a literal commercial song be- go off and be such a bop. And so, BTS's latest is the song with Ionic, this car brand, and it's, it's a really good song, even though I know it's a commercial. It's really... It- it's so impressive to me. And not only is it catchy, but it has these little Easter eggs in it for BTS fans. So, it's not even just a catchy song for hopefully new customers of Ionic, but also for ARMY, you know, they have lyrics in the song, they included the lyrics, make it right, they included the lyric, follow the map of the soul, so they've had, they have they have had quite a few others too that are like, oh, I see what you did there, and I'm impressed by that. They also managed to make, even though this is a commercial, they managed to make it like really really deep for a commercial. They they sing about, um, the li- their lyrics include, quote, I see a sign saying slow it down, I push myself too hard. Instead of pushing myself, I want to give you the strength to keep going. A very BTS message. So they really managed to make a commercial into this like deep, meaningful, and still catchy song, and I am so impressed. So they're just doing everything they need to do lately, and we love to see it. My nay... Ne- Number one has to go to, though, is this discussion over Namjoon's blue hair, honestly, because so at first, actually, when I was thinking about talking about this, I was considering just, you just really being annoyed and rolling my eyes at people, but then I realized I'm one of them. So, like, let me explain. So, Namjoon dyed his hair blue for the dynamite comeback, and it It was only it only lasted a month, maybe three weeks, before he dyed it again, and people were very upset that what they nicknamed blue June was gone and I thought personally he has better hair colours than blue, and I didn't get why the why everyone seemed to mourn the loss of the blue hair over other colours that I prefer him to have. And so I just didn't get the fuss. It was really, it just felt very extra online where everyone was really mourning the blue hair dye. And I just wanted to tell people to calm down. But then the other day he said in an interview, Namjoon was saying that he can never go back to pink hair and never wants to go back to pink hair. And I felt devastated. And so... Then I realized, well, I can't roast the people who are making a big deal out of Blue June because I miss Pink June. And so, I, you know, I guess it's just a thing with being a hardcore fan of someone. You become so personally invested that at this point, even their hair dye makes us emotional. So whatever, I'll allow you to get emotional about Blue June while I get emotional about Pink June. Anyway, this that whole... The whole last two minutes of the show probably made no sense to non-ARMY, but whatever. My yay number two is there is a new co-ed group that is going to come out. A new K-pop co-ed group is coming that will, is set to debut September 21st. Not much is known about them other than the band name is Checkmate. So I'm very curious how this group goes. I put this as a yay and not just a random news headline update because I really just wanted to take a moment to think about it because... It's so rare to see co-ed groups in the industry. I talked a lot at length about why that is on the very, very, very first episode of my show called "Intro to K Pop." Shameless plug. But really, what it, it, I sum I can sum it up now by saying that there it's very, very natural in South Korean culture to just associate with with uh, same sex groups of people. That's who you hang out with. That's just that's just a habit. You know, those are your friends' circles and. Uh, that combined with some other factors like assumptions about girls only liking guys and guys only liking girls, and so they want to you know get a certain demographic fan base and all of those uh, assumptions. But there, anyway, all to say that te- it tends to be a gamble for K-pop companies to invest in coed groups, and they can they can really flop. And so I'm ex- really excited about this because I'm very curious about it. I'm curious about what led to the decision to debut this co-ed group, especially in 2020 when the future of music is so unpredictable. What was the impetus for this? I'm just very curious why now. And I really just hope the best for them because there's just something really unique about the the mix of male and female voices on these co-ed sons. and just in general, the co-ed have a unique flair to them. I just want to see more of co-ed groups, honestly, because I just think they bring something new to the table, and I don't know, something about them is, uh, is worth, uh, worth understanding, and, you know, I just think it would be a good counter to the stereotyping about fans, you know, all the assumptions about the, the, the fandom of this girl group must be a bunch of guys, or the fandom of this boy group must be a bunch of girls, and all of the assumptions wrapped into that, this is a good counter to just say that this music is for everyone, however you identify it, and so I hope this group is a, a positive symbol of that for fans, and I just, I I wish the best for them, also because I think a lot of K- co-ed groups have just gone under the radar too much, and I hope that doesn't happen for them. I had high hopes for K-tigers, and I know they're still a group, but I just really thought they would they would really take off more than they did when they had that USA showcase tour a year or two ago. I, I really they are very they're a very cool mix of martial artists, dancers and singers and I just think they do some really cool, impressive things that I wanna see more of. Of course Card has been quite popular, Triple H was great, uh, and I still miss them. So I mean there's been some success, but I just wanna see more co-ed groups succeed. Also, co-ed school, they were too short-lived. Co-ed school had some bops. I mean, Too Late, that is such a good song, and it's never too late to listen to that. My nay number two has to do with marketing as well. So my nay number two is because I was made looking like such a clown the other day because of this bad marketing. So what happened was, there, is, there are two different, well, there are many, but for this uh, story, there are two different online concert events with long, full K-pop lineups. There is On Contact, and there is K-Contact. So, On-Tact, also, sometimes it's, it's written as one word, sometimes two words. On-Tact or On Contact is a totally separate event from K-Contact. So OnTact is basically an event over several weekends with a lineup of people. It's for SBS, whereas K-Contact is an online event. It's like the digital K-Con that is happening for 10 consecutive days in October. So a few weekends in September and October, you can tune to SBS for OnTact. K-Contact is in October, and clearly that is confusing and annoying, and... I just felt like a fool because I got so hyped for K-Contact because I was like, oh my gosh, 17 is part of the lineup at Digital K-Con this fall, and I'm going to get to see them. And I was just very excited for that chance to see 17, like literally, because remember K-Contact, Uh, pick some fans to like be part of the live video chat style audience and I was really excited for even that even that one in a million chance. I got really prematurely hyped for that and then I realized that these are separate events and yeah the clownery. I, I have to expose myself here because I really just like I would hear online like here's the lineup for ONTACT and here's the lineup for CONTACT and I would just assume those were the same events and people were just using different phrases but they're totally different events. So Seventeen is part of this SBS show so I can still watch them perform live soon which is exciting but like not the same. But this interactive KCON thing, they are not officially part of the lineup yet. So anyway, my nay is to, not even just the fact they're not part of the lineup, at least what's announced as a recording time, but because of the marketing. I'm just upset that they made their, they need to change the name. One of these events needs to make it clear that they are a separate event or more people will look like me and look like total clowns for getting excited over something that is totally, totally false. So I just would, I really hope they, one of those events, rebrands is to distinguish themselves cuz this is frustrating and confusing. All right, yay number 3 is the latest are the latest comments from JYP and I know there's been some frustration with fans lately about JYP entertainment and all the time that they're allegedly not putting into TWICE or GOT7, but as I've said before on the show, they seem to just be like this where each group has their time to shine, and right now it's Stray Kids. It was ITZY last time, so next up maybe it will be TWICE or GOT7 again, but it seems like they're not intentionally neglecting a group. They you, they just get each their turn, and so it feels like we GOT7 isn't being supported at all, but it's just because that's that's the nature of the company. They spend time with each group, That's how I see it, but of course, that's an outside perspective. An insider's look might be different, but I would just hold out and keep your fingers crossed it's not personal towards GOT7 and TWICE, which are huge icons for JYP, of course, so I don't think it's an intentional diss or anything like that. But anyway, uh, I know there is some debate about JYP and you know how much he's a great leader versus not but my yay goes to the fact that I think he really is great and impressive as a leader and I want to explain where I got this insight so the latest profile of JYP it's in Forbes magazine and it is or at least Forbes online and it was a really great in-depth profile And it really talked about, shout out to Jeff Benjamin for this one, it was, I really enjoyed reading it, and it showed JY Park in a new light for me. It really, so there are a few values that stood out that were discussed in that article that I want to highlight. There is, first of all, this, um, JYP distinguishes, he talks about the difference between a company and a community in a very interesting way. So, quote, What is this thing called company? It's a community of people linked together by something. If that something is financial interest, you are a financially committed community. The problem is if another company offers you more money, you're automatically going to go to that company. I don't want that. My only thought is that we should be linked by values. I want my company to be a value-linked community. And I found that a very interesting way to put it, where... He views JYP Entertainment as sure we can we can use the word company, but what does the word company really mean? It doesn't have to sound so so corporate and emotionless. It can really be about fostering community, and a real like you know a uh, a really corporate uh, company is a, a very business like um, you know emotionless persona of a company. It can be because of what drives the community, but it's still community, so he's basically saying that you, as um the head of some agency, have the ability to change the agency into something more human and caring if you view it as a community, not a company, and decide what connects what value connects everyone together in that company because if it is money, then that is that's going to change, you know, and people may come and go and it's not a really sustainable relationship in a positive way, but if people are linked at the company for something different than money, then, you know, that is a true sense of an authentic, good community, a positive thing. So I just found that a very interesting approach to describing the role of someone who runs a company. He also um, talked about Wonder Girls and how they failed to kind of break into the USA. They toured opening for the Jonas Brothers and had moderate success, but they didn't even really break into the top 50 of the billboard charts. They really, they were kind of making some waves here, but really not in the grand scheme of things. And so he just talked about making peace with that failure, quote unquote, um by and he basically said it by talking about how things were out of his control. Wonder Girls were trying to break into the USA because uh well, and when they were it didn't really work out partly because of the the 2008 financial crisis in the USA and so I don't know. I I just that stood out to me in the story just because JY Park, he he really sounds like he doesn't beat himself up over these things and he keeps trying but he just the way he talked about it I appreciated it where he basically just said you know what's out of your control you have to let go and leave it in the past and so he was like it was the recession what was I gonna do and I know that sounds like maybe it's not something I should praise him for saying but I just like when managers are uh show their uh humility about what they do and acknowledge that some things are out of their control you know there are some control freak manager types that would probably just say you know something was rigged against wonder girls or blame i don't know they would blame something or someone but he's just making peace with what was considered kind of a flop in some ways and so i just respect that honesty He also talked about how he always wishes the best for former JYP stars and would never talk bad about them, which I believe and appreciate. I've always loved that JYP Entertainment gives uh, monthly mental health check-ins to the trainees and to the artists so that they get time to discuss mental health issues and just have someone check in and ask if they're doing okay. I wish every company did that. Not just K-pop, but like, I want, I wish Disney Channel stars got to do that. I wish other TV stars got to do that. I just really think that's a great tool for young artists. He also said that he always tries to be himself so that Anytime he runs into fans in public, will see him for who he is and not go away thinking that he was totally different than what they thought in person. He doesn't want it to seem like a fake persona and leave fans feeling betrayed when they meet the real him, which I appreciated hearing. He also did seem to address fans' backlash to the lack of GOT7 promo lately. So here's the quote about that. He said, we think about how much we love, how much we care for someone like Got7. At the end of the day there can be misunderstandings, but in the long term only the truth comes to light. I think a lot of people are frustrated, but I was trying to build a system that's organic and flexible enough to withstand any variable. So I found that a very interesting quote where he w- he was really he wasn't even really asked about the Got7 thing. He was just talking about really um possible missteps in his management practices and in the company, but he re- the fact that he mentions GOT7 by name without prompting, I found interesting, and he he's saying, you know, um, we really care for them, but there can be misunderstandings, but only the truth will come to light. I know people are frustrated, but I'm trying to build this organic, flexible system. So he's basically saying, we are aware of the fan concerns about GOT7, but trust that they are in good care, and so... I don't know, maybe I'm naive, but I kind of believe him based on the other things I've been hearing and reading about him, that he's genuinely looking out for his artists and wanting the best for them, and so I would just not worry too much about GOT7's future. I think a lot of positive promo will come their way, especially because of fan pressure. I just think he is receptive to that stuff, and I appreciate that in any manager. So that's my yay for now. My nay has to do with some more JYP-related coverage though. So, I really I really don't like to um, like target any specific journalist or anything, so I'm not gonna say names, but I read a very disappointing piece covering the Woojin situation, and so I just need to go off for a second. So, there was a piece I read about the Woojin incident and this bugged me for a couple reasons. One is that it was, first of all, just kind of odd because a lot of Western uh, pop culture websites only talk about K-pop stars when it's drama and not just their music. So it's always weird and annoying when I I get surprised because some site that didn't seem to take an interest in K-pop before is now suddenly talking about them for the sake of the gossip of it all. And I don't know, that just bugs me. But I get get it. You know, the industry is driven by clicks and that's why I don't want to, you know, target any specific journalist. I know being a journalist is so hard, especially these days, so... But I am I still want to talk about this. Um, second thing that bugged me is that... So the the article basically talked about Woojin as a former Stray Kids member, saying, you know, K-pop... Member of former K-pop group or something, Woojin did this. So, you know, because you can't write about a K-pop group without specifying K-pop in the title, you know, apparently. So next time... Uh, I don't know, next time, you know, Carrie Underwood, I don't know, I just pulled that example out of thin air. Next time Carrie Underwood uh, does something, I hope people say country artist Carrie Underwood did this, you know. And then it, it's just so odd that K-pop is the one that adds the qualifier before people read the article. Anyway, so, but aside from my personal little gripes, there's also just the fact that this was problematic because it basically, at the end of the article, talking about the Wujin allegations, It basically had this paragraph about, um, basically talking about that incident a month or two ago with the K-pop boy band members from different groups who had that outing and then were criticized online heavily because they had violated, allegedly violated, social distancing protocol to go out to this club in Itaewon. And so it was very odd for a couple of reasons. So... The main one being, why are they dragged into that drama? That drama, like, reviving that drama to be like, to have include a paragraph about that past thing that other idols did, it just felt weird. Like, why are you bringing them into this Woojin thing that is just, they're not even on the same level in terms of rawness. And I'm just, it's just frustrating to see that. Again, it's the weird thing with K-pop stars where it seems like the connections are, so, like, they they assume that one K-pop story is related to another, like, it's all one big industry, one big factory thing, but it's so diverse, just like other music industries, so, like, again, with the country music example, um, if Carrie Underwood did something, I'm, again, I don't know why I just pulled that name out, but if, uh, for example, if she did something, and then there was an article about it, like, would you ever see, like, What's another? Who's another? Miran Morris, I don't know. So let's say um, Carrie Underwood did something, and then would you he, see in the article? Um, also, this brings to mind a totally separate, irrelevant incident that Miran Morris got into last month. Right, like country singers aren't randomly thrown into the same article like that, so it's weird when K-pop stars are like as if they all know each other, and they all, if one's bad, let's bring up the fact that another one did something wrong. Like, it's just weird. Anyway, so I was just annoyed by this article because clearly Stray Kids are done with him, and so even just saying he was a former Stray Kids member, I'm just like, I don't know, I'm over it, but I get why they, they have to include that detail, I guess, for a journalist's sake, but... I don't know. Just a lot of personal issues with this piece and also confused why K- other K-pop stars were dragged into it because they have nothing to do with the Woojin thing. I don't get the connection. Like, why were they in this? Was that just brought up because the it was just like, meanwhile, um, this other thing in K-pop from a month ago. I don't know. It was just very weird why it was there. And yeah, just negative press towards some of my other favorite idols that I don't appreciate and felt like was unnecessary. So anyway, so that just bugged me. So big thumbs down for me for that coverage. Not sure why it was even covered, because again, sometimes publications do this only when it's drama, and that feeds into these these stereotypes about the K-pop industry being so negative and dark and manufactured when it has those elements, but it has so much else to it too. It's such a layered industry, like all music industries, that it's weird to paint with that brush and then sweep in other irrelevant incidents to add to that stereotype, so definitely really bug me to drag them into that. Anyway, my yay number four now, this is, well it's still kind of dark actually, but I'll get to the lighter stuff, so my yay number four to talk about is that um, it's both a nay and a yay, so my nay is a couple of things related to the story my yay is part of it so you i'm talking about this because i do think it is important to address not just because i'm extremely tayon biased as long time listeners know but i will also say that um so his dog ruby recently passed away and so he went on V live and was talking to us about it and he did some live stream talking about um how much Ruby meant to him, and it was it was just very sad and emotional, so I have a couple of thoughts I want to share about this though so first of all, my nay is to anyone who dismisses this as not a big deal and worth getting upset over. It, it The situation reminds me of when Lord postponed her album release because her dog had passed away and she was grieving. And some people were debating online, like, is this extra, like, too much, too dramatic, like, just move on? Or just, is that a reason to postpone a whole album release? Is a pet dying? And... Look, I'm not even full disclosure. I'm not even a big animal person. I never have been. I, I, you know, I have pet allergies in my family, so I've never had a pet. I have never been that into having a pet. I just am not an animal person because I've never grown up around them. So it's it's a yeah, it's just not a part of my life. I'm just not a person who thinks dogs are like the best thing ever or cats are the best thing ever or whatever. I'm just not an animal person. That's just me. But even I get why it's such a big deal. So just if if I can see the big deal in losing a pet, you can too. So please learn to, uh, to recognize this is a huge thing because especially for young musicians, like that's why I felt defensive about the Lord situation because when you're a musician traveling the world all the time, and having a manager you know, tell you where to be when and have people control your daily schedules and just in general what it's like to be a celebrity is so fast paced, it's so unpredictable, it's so out of your control what happens that if you can get a sense of control and stability and the ability to take care of something, that is a great therapeutic outlet for you. So, you know, to see Lord skyrocket to fame at such a young age and to have her dog by her side when it happened though, that's such a grounding force and a humbling thing to take care of something and to just have that stability and comfort by you, that companionship. It can be so lonely and uh, just stressful and overwhelming being famous and you know, having the world judge you all the time as a musician, so I just, I totally get why that's a huge deal to lose that rock for you, and so that's the same thing I think here, so I just hope everyone gives on the time to grieve that he needs and don't belittle it, so that's my nay for how people react to this, and just in general to artists who are vulnerable, because they definitely deserve to be. My thumbs up though, though goes to just the fact that I'm just so appreciative that Taeon talks to us like this and has these personal V lives because not it doesn't just feel really special because of that that iconic bedroom where he uh, records his V lives. You know, it's become like a special little uh, little. It's a very meaningful room for us now to see that background with his drawings on the walls and the the jacket on the chair and all those little details that you know it's an uh, it's a nice uh, recognizable thing. The familiarity of it is it's a. Com- comforting room that we're invited into to what essentially feels like FaceTiming him. It's really nice. So anyway, so his connection with us I appreciate, and just how he is vulnerable and open about this stuff, and how not all days are good days, and I just respect that in idols, especially ones that may be expected to have this polished, happy all the time image. He's never been like that, and so I just love when he's open with us and vulnerable about it, and he really had some great advice in that live stream about um keeping your head up but also accepting how you feel in the moment and it was really it was really nice and refreshing and open and honest and I just adore Tayon so wanted to acknowledge this and appreciate uh, what he says and does. So anyway, it was a great uh moment for fans and him too. Just it just emphasized the the connection some of these artists have with their fans nowadays. It's very special. So my next yay goes to Taman because his album is doing so well it is just, you know, you know, if you know, you know how much I adore Taman's music and his latest album. I talked about that at length at the Dedic- on the Taman Dedicated episode and whatnot, but um, the latest achievements from it we haven't talked about yet. So his album Never Gonna Dance Again topped the iTunes charts in 32 regions around the world. He also reassured us during promo for this album that he doesn't mean it when he says Never Gonna Dance Again. That was actually the name of his tour that he was going to or his concerts or some some sort of live show before COVID ruined a bunch of stuff. And so he decided to use the term Never Gonna Dance Again for the album instead of the tour, which I think is just a cool name for a cinematic movie-inspired comeback. It really sounds like a movie drama title, Never Gonna Dance Again. But he assured us, don't worry, he will be back to dancing. And of course, he was in this latest comeback. He described his music as, quote, a unique style of catharsis and... I think that is the perfect way to put it. Unique style of catharsis. So it is therapeutic to listen to in weird ways. It just, it's so refreshing to hear and it can be very, his vocals are just so um, captivating and his videos are so immersive. It's like a really cool therapeutic escape to be in the musical world created by Taman, But also it's very unique. It's very eclectic, the mix of sounds in his songs. It's not just your standard pop. It's got R&B elements, it's got electronic elements, it's got a lot of ballads in this catalog too, a lot going on. And so that's the perfect way to summarize it. It is like comforting and familiar pop sounds, but it's also so unique. And so unique style of catharsis is a great way to put it. So I wanted to highlight that. we will also say that, uh, and pat myself on the back for saying that I was right about at least part of my music video theorizing where I was saying that his whole plot of the video was all about, you know, he's his own enemy, and he's both the victim and the criminal, and he basically confirmed that part of my theory. So whether the rest of it is true remains to be seen, but I'm just, I'm on the right track with my theory, I think. So he also, of course, mentioned that it is like movie, like a movie style thing. I think it is still that dream within a dream slash movie within a movie thing, but I broke that down in my other episode, and I won't go into it again here, but I'm just saying, I think I'm onto something with this theory, and I feel quite proud of myself for that. My nay number five is the fact that I'm still waiting for Kai's solo debut, and we all are. I think it is just going to be really great. We got that teaser of it in the, during the Super M tour last year, and I just I wanted more at, right after that that we didn't get, and I'm just, the constant delays are bugging me, and I know he's got a lot going on with Super M and whatever else modeling and all the other gigs he has, but I'm impatient. So, quick summary, the yays the latest from BTS, JYP just being a great manager, the band Checkmate that is coming up that I'm really rooting for, Taeon being really open with us in his last V-Live, and Taman's album, Success. The Nays, a delayed Kai solo debut, the coverage of the Woojin incident, Uh, marketing of events that confuses me and makes me look embarrassed like a fool that misunderstood things, and the drama over Namjoon's hair color, although now I've come to realize why that's a big deal. So that's the summary of my yays and nays. Lots of headlines to get to, and some exciting 17 updates, and just a whole lot more coming after this commercial break. There's a lot to cover, so let's just dive right into it. First of all, congrats to ATs. They have been named the latest Polish Man Ambassadors, and Polish Man is essentially this campaign started by an Australian nonprofit group that raises awareness about child abuse victims, child trauma recovery efforts, and things like that. So it is a non fundraiser, and the proceeds from the campaign will go to trauma recovery and raising awareness. It is a fundraiser with a unique format that basically allows you to fundraise by starting your own fundraising page, and you can pitch in the first $50, because there are theories that people do, and there are some stats to back this up, are more likely to donate to a campaign that has at least $50 already in it. My guess is because that shows that it's a real legit campaign and also shows that it's your donation is likely to actually have an effect and so the more money is in a fund, the more likely it is to seem like it's successful, and that makes people willing to put money towards it. So anyway, you have that option, but you don't have to. Pitch in the first $50 for your own fundraiser page that you start on their website, and so you can visit polishedman.com backslash ATs for more info on this campaign, but also know that Really, in October, that's a huge month for this campaign, as well as in general, raising awareness about mental health and abusive relationships, and so in addition to fundraisers, you can also help with the awareness campaign throughout October by painting one fingernail blue. So, more information again at the Polished Man site, but congrats to ATS for getting that ambassadorship, and I'm very happy to see that. Also, happy belated birthday to Namjoon, another do-gooder in the world, as well as the BTS ARMY, who, by the way, the one in an ARMY project group now officially has a Google Maps interactive thing, so you can go to that graphic and find all the charity projects that ARMY is doing around the world, so make sure you check that out regularly for updated projects. The latest charity project ARMY put together is for Barefoot College, which is basically a group that, so I looked up their mission statement and it says, quote, For more than 40 years, the Barefoot College has designed new ways to nurture and support a journey to empowerment, one village at a time, one woman at a time. We demystify and decentralize technology and put new tools in the hands of the rural poor with a singular objective of spreading self-sufficiency and sustainability. With a geographic focus on the least developed countries, we train women worldwide as solar engineers, innovators, and educators who then return to their villages to bring light and learning to their communities. So basically what Barefoot College has been doing for over 40 years is equipping rural areas and underdeveloped communities with the tools and education needed to have these have economic advancements, educational advancements, the tools needed to really help their societies function better, just the resources that they have not had before, so providing them a lot of a foundation and really it's just a great way to help them learn how to make their societies more efficient, sustainable, it's uh, that's essentially what it is. You can go to their website, Bearfoot College, for more information. Bearfootcollege.org. You can donate to them. Anyway, it's really a great way to help train, a particularly female uh, f- members of families who want to just change their life circumstances a bit, and so it really equips them with the tools to do so. So the ARMY created the Barefoot with Namjoon campaign in honor of his birthday, which continues to get donations, and you can donate to that campaign, but also ARMY has already raised enough money through this campaign to fund two schools with the digital tools they need to have virtual night classes these days. So they've raised over $15,000 so far and again the donations continue to come in. Really exciting to see and I'm sure Namjoon would love to find out about this. Also Namjoon donated money on his own birthday to celebrate. The best birthday gift you can give yourself is a is a charitable donation and he donated 100 million won which is approximately 84,200 US dollars to the National Museum of Modern and Contemporary Art. And so this donation is going to help fund books that were either low on supply or out of print entirely, just hard to find art books. And they will fund enough books to be distributed to 400 different schools and libraries. And also there will be copies of these books now in the museum officially, printed for the museum's bookstore. The official statement given by the museum's director said, quote, RM expressed his desire to support the field of art in which he has found inspiration and comfort. Just as he was able to gain a deeper understanding of art through books, he shared his hope that children and youth who may not find it easy to access museums will be able to easily come into contact with art through these books. We were delighted and surprised by his wish. This is ultimately what RM is all about, is not just finding ways to be inspired by different forms of art music actual paintings dance he's he's inspired by all sorts of art but then by sharing the art with as many people as possible and i just love that about him his desire to constantly show what is inspiring him lately with others and it just his appreciation for art i really like and hope other people are inspired to have as well. So he's sharing that love of art as always, and I really appreciate that. And hope it does reach people who can't afford to go to museums either financially or just health wise or travel wise. They can't. They aren't able to see art in person. They can still find a way to appreciate it through books, which is really exciting to see. Other exciting news. Although for me personally, I would have been fine if they just kept the dog. Olympics and got rid of this the literal dog Olympics and got rid of this part. But apparently the esports event through the Isaacs is still happening, the Idol Star Athletic Championships. So I thought it was just the dog Olympics now this year, but now they're adding the esports event again too because that can also still be done safely with social distancing and whatnot. So it has quite the extensive lineup of participants and I won't go through all of them, but it includes Eyes One, the boys. Cravity, SF9, Monsta X, and Flying, NCT Dream, Luna. There's quite a variety. So, stay tuned for that. Other news going faster through them now. So, new official TikTok accounts are out for Only One Of and TVXQ. Two members of the band Supernova have been indicted for illegal overseas gambling. They spent an estimate of some say seven million, some say fifty million, so quite the range, but millions of won were spent on this overseas gambling in the Philippines. One of them also additionally uh, spent money on online gambling so that they're being investigated for that. Also, Iron, the rapper Iron, he has been fined officially five million won because he spread falsehoods about an ex-girlfriend to the tabloid press. EU from We Girls has terminated her contract with the agency and not not many other details about her exit from the group. Very sad news for Z Tao's dad. Z Tao, the former member of XO and personally my one of my favorite C-pop artists. His dad passed away on September 11th. He was only 52 and my thoughts are with Tell's family at this time. It was a chronic illness. It was not COVID or anything like that. Very sad story. Another sad one, the member, a member of an indie band called An Introduction to You, Jo Yoon, is riding a motorbike while on Duty at a part-time delivery job, and he was hit by a truck, and he did not survive it. His record label issued a statement confirming this. He passed away September 10th at age 26. Some much lighter news now. Blackpink are the new reps for Pepsi for the Asian area, so not the global reps, but still huge Pepsi ambassador opportunity for them. Maybe they'll have a song to go with it, like Monster X did. That'd be cool. WayV has a new reality show coming called Way Vision, premiering September 21st on season. Na- Nahyun and Sumin both terminated their contracts successfully with TS Entertainment. They were both in Sonamu previously and have been trying for a while. TS Entertainment is, as is characteristic for them, trying to appeal the decision, but for now they're free from their contracts. Also, in terms of stat updates, BTS's Dynamite, the latest number as of recording time, is that it reached 350 million views. Also, BTS the other day just got their 100th music show win. So, if 2020 is really bad, at least we had twice, and BTS both get their well-deserved 100th music show wins, right? Treasure continues to do really well. Their upcoming release has surpassed 200,000 pre-order copies. Ace's Goblin Video now has 3 million views and counting. Real my one of my favorite J-pop girls, she has officially 1,200,000 YouTube subscribers. I would like to think she reached this milestone thanks to my promo for her because, you know, my impact, but whatever, you can debate that if you want. So, I mean, there are some good news updates as well as the sadder stuff. Just, there was a lot to cover there. Now, let's talk about, on tunes today, the latest in concerts and such. First of all, TikTok update. So, ByteDance, the company, the Chinese parent company of TikTok, has rejected Microsoft's offer to purchase TikTok for the USA. But another USA owned company has been officially accepted. So ByteDance rejected Microsoft's bid and the bidding war was war what war was won by Oracle, a USA based company. And so TikTok and Oracle, it's odd, they're not calling this a sale, they're calling it a partnership, which is a key terminology distinction. And if they're calling it a partnership, that might imply that there's room for more partners and more bidders to get in on this too, but we'll see. But for the time being, this means that TikTok will not be banned in the USA, and however, the functions that will be allowed and the data that the app will collect from you or ask you to, have, to provide may change. So there may be some like terms and conditions pages that change, but as for using TikTok, your experience in the USA probably won't change much for a while. It's unclear if TikTok is still going through with plans to sue the U.S. government over all of the allegations about data uh, data theft, essentially, but I have a feeling TikTok will still try to undergo that, but we will see. This story is very quickly developing, so actually this development broke right after I finished recording an episode, so that's why it's maybe a few days late, but that is just how this podcasting thing works, I guess. You finish recording and then the news breaks, so... I will keep you posted, but it is a fast moving story. So forgive me if I'm not as caught up as as the other headlines are. Other streaming updates. So Facebook has signed a new deal with several different music labels, allowing people who have Facebook live streams to play music in the background of those live streams. Previously that was not allowed for copyright reasons. But now, if there's an artist from one of the music label labels that does partner with Facebook, they can have their music promoted through Facebook live streams. So that is an interesting new avenue for artists who cannot do in-person concerts these days to still promote their work. Now, Facebook not being scrutinized for its data issues, data collection issues, is another story, but we'll, we'll talk about that another time. Other updates in the world of online shows, there is a TikTok concert event for K-pop artists specifically and Wavy, uh, which will be September 25th, 8 p.m. Korean time, so 6 a.m. Chicago time, September 25th. If you're interested through TikTok, you can watch MCND, TOO, Wavy, Elris, AB6, Lovelies, and Kim Woo so quite a lineup. Also online MCND has a show September 26th 12 p.m. Korean time. So that weekend you can see the TikTok show the 25th and then MCND the 26th. That one 12 p.m. Korean time would be 10 a.m. Chicago time the previous day. So um forgive me if that's wrong, but it's it's a pretty reasonable time to see an online show. So other news that's not online actually. So Hyoko is actually planning an in-person concert to go forward mid-October in South Korea. They will have masks, they will have socially distanced seats, they will have temperature checks and all of that, but they are still going forward with the in-person event. And so that's all the detail I have so far, but it'll be interesting if they go forward. Of course, it's it could not go forward last minute. This virus and the spread is and when we have peaks of it can be so unpredictable, but um, they are trying to do an in-person concert again, and we'll see how it goes. The past few days as of recording time, Seoul seems to have been dropping in cases, and all of South Korea really is kind of on another decline. They had another concerning uptick in cases, but it's going back down again, so... Um, Not not the worst time for them to try an in-person event, but again, this is changing so quickly, so we'll see. In terms of 2021 Olympics planning, yeah, that's still a thing happening. It was going to be the 2020 Olympics, but Japan will still try to host the 2021 ones in Tokyo. The games are supposed to start July 23rd of 2021, so they have less than a year, which still sounds like a lot of time, but the logistics of an Olympic event... Are Olympic sized. I mean, and you know the amount of work that goes into preparing KCON every year. Think about that, but like times a thousand. And so that is the Olympics events, because it's a bajillion of those K-con style level planning. That's the best analogy I can use for it. So anyway, the Olympics team really has the work cut out for them. They are still working on it, though, trying to plan the logistics around having an Olympic ceremony. Even if there's not worldwide vaccine access by July of next year, they are thinking about maybe having what... The basketball teams in the USA have done where they basically put themselves in a bubble. So they've all been staying around this certain, this in a certain area with their hotels and the gym and everything. And they can't leave the bubble or they get punished. And in the bubble, they monitor symptoms for COVID. They get tested all the time, all of that. So they're essentially not really passing COVID to anyone. They just can't leave the bubble. So they're, they're considering a bubble format, they're debating some other ideas for how to house the athletes together in a way that's safe and you know restrict athletes travel and restrict the live attendees and the audiences at events. There's a lot still up in the air, but I just found this, a new, up, this new update interesting to, that there's confirmation they are still trying to make it work. One more huge story in the world of music, there are two new billboard charts that are happening. So there are two new billboard charts that will be used to calculate the most popular songs of the moment. One is called the Billboard Global 200, and one is the Billboard Global Excluding US. So... I have a lot of thoughts about this, but first of all, a quick fact. So they will not take radio spins into account anymore. These new charts will calculate popularity based on streams, and it sounds like digital downloads will be included in their scores as well, and all paid streams, but I don't know if like Spotify non-premium streams count, but sales do. So sales, digital downloads, and streams should count, and no radio plays will count for this new this new way of uh, calculating chart totals and rankings. It will compile data from over 200 territories worldwide, which really goes to show the globalization of music and how much that's been sped up really over the past few years. So I have a couple thoughts on this. One is that the chart that's Billboard Global excluding U.S. is very interesting and odd to me. Not sure why it was necessary, because basically it sounds like that is going to be a chart that features all artists that are not from the U.S., but then of course there's weird murky territory when you say, "Well, you're not from the U.S." I worry about all of the potential for discrimination that it has, and you know, thinking of like Rena Sawayama, she is a British artist who I really like. Um, side note, I would check out her new album. It's really, it's just, it's pop perfection. Anyway, she um, she's been talking about how she was exempt from being allowed to win certain british awards for her music because she's labeled not british and she's asian but she's british anyway so i worry about that kind of situation here where an artist is considered not from the usa even though they are they were born and raised here or whatever it is i just it feels weird and um i wouldn't it just feels like an unnecessary chart to decide where people are from and i don't know really it's a very othering thing that I don't think is necessary. But the Billboard Global 200 I do think is a great idea. First of all, because it gets rid of any payola influences on what's really popular. And so it's really more about the streams, which is where the true popularity of songs can show itself. So that will be... I think that's a, that's a relevant, important update to the chart system. But the second thing I think is... I really like, I've talked about this in a past episode about the term world music and its problematic history, and I love the fact that they're just calling this global music. They're not using the phrase world music. Billboard actually was one of the first publications that coined and frequently applied the term world music to their charts. So for them to discard it and replace it with global music, it might just sound like a semantics thing, but it could truly have an important impact on people's subconscious when they think about and read the artists on the charts and consider whether or not to check out their music. It just sounds better, it sounds inclusive, it sounds, it really can have a subconscious impact on how people perceive artists and how willing they are to check them out. So. Props to Billboard for having that inclusive chart about music from all over the world. And the other one, the excluding US one, I don't know how to feel about that. So those are my thoughts about that so far. In this segment called Taking a Moment to Appreciate, I just want to say that we need to appreciate Tayon's TikTok-type dance situation where he was dancing to Criminal by Taemin because there's so many things I like about that sentence. There's TikTok and similar apps and dance challenges. There's Taeyeon. There's the suit and tie. There's Taemin's criminal song. I mean, it's all there. This is so up my alley, and it was great to see him do that dance. Last but not least for today, your action of the day is to please read this this really interesting piece from Huffington Post. It's called Can a Book Club Fight Racism? And it's really interesting. It talks about these anti racist book clubs and how they hope to truly galvanize, especially white allies, to take the cause seriously and to be actively anti racist. And if reading the reading um all these book recommendations that have come out this year, all these publications had their listicles of black authors we should read to be more anti-racist, it's a really interesting look at what should happen after that, after you do the reading, because that's step one. And it's not really it's weird to even use the phrase steps because it's not like there is a final step. It's a it's an, it's a lifelong process to be anti-racist. It's a conscious, lifelong effort. Anyway, it looks into that kind of thought, and I found it interesting and worth reading. So please check that out. All right, that sums up all the topics I wanted to talk about today. I will uh, see you when I see you next, probably not until How to Stand, the next episode airs, but we'll see. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you all soon. Bye.